You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. Good evening. It is good to see you here. Good leadership will be proactive. Good leadership will look at difficult circumstances. If they are spiritual, they will pray. If they are faithful and courageous, they will step forward and do whatever God puts on their heart to do. As uh, you all are very aware of the ongoing conversations regarding this virus. Has anybody talked about the coronavirus today? Raise your hand. Interesting. We, too, have had a number of calls from other churches, um, from people traveling abroad, from our our friends in Israel, and uh, like you, just trying to keep up with the facts. Uh, We find ourselves having conversations with some people that are dealing with fear, with anxiety. Some are in a panic mode. And um, a lot of people are going to ask themselves, how are we as a church going to approach this? If this indeed becomes something more than what it is today and we find ourselves affected as a church, like other groups, uh, we are hearing large group assemblies uh, kind of reconsider their gatherings and this kind of stuff. We are, we are not at that place. Um, as you can see, we are gathering here. Um, but none of us really know. I, I've talked to some people that, well, I've listened to some experts, and I've talked to some people that want me to believe that they're experts. But I think it's important to be patient, to be prayerful, to be vigilant, and to have a plan. And so tonight I thought I would talk to us, and I know this will also be used to the, uh, you know, the, the larger extent of our body that might not be here, um, just to let you know, we, we, we have been praying as a leadership, we have been talking about this, and we have implemented some things, uh, because we know that fear is real, and we know that there are, there are uncertain aspects to this, and we don't want to treat it as if it's something that could never become of greater concern. And so we want to get out ahead of this, and that kind of leaves us with, okay, so what do we do as a church? And tonight I wanted to talk about some personal things I've learned when it comes to um, walking through uncertain times. And so I'm doing a topical study here, and I'm calling it Being a Stable Example in Unstable Times. I have found that um, over my life, even when I was a younger lad and uh, growing up in the church, that when, you know, things happened on a global scale that would kind of rock the core of who we were, I would, within the body of Christ, I would watch, even as a youngster, I'd watch those that were um, reacting to the circumstances in, in a way that I'd go, hey, they're not real bothered by that. And they're actually doing something positive about that. And then I would also notice others who had a different response. And, and, and I, by watching them, it made me, as even a younger guy, kind of nervous. And, and I, a little bit of their anxiety became my anxiety. And, and as I 
you know, I, I grew up and I became an adult. I, I realized I, I really had a heart for people and I, I wanted to be the person that is, is, is out front and doing what I can to help um, when difficult things, you know, come our way. And, uh, you know, I've been able to, to observe this within our church, whether it's a storm or whether it's an earthquake. I've been able to, to, to observe what I'm going to be talking about in different parts of the world as it relates to disasters. And just watching the, the psyche of people and watching the, the, the posture of their faith, watching even as Christians, how does, how does all this play out with this church, with these people, as we're working and co-laboring in some really challenging environments over the years, just watching different pastors and different you know, Christians as to you know, how they respond. Um, I have learned that one of the best ways to deal with uncertainty, with fear, with anxiety, all of these emotions that can then hold us back, is to get my eyes off of how this is affecting me and ask the Lord how I can help others. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight. The fear that some of you have is real. The uncertainty that some of you have is real. There are a lot of people around the world that have had their life disrupted by this, either by the virus itself, physically, physiologically they've been disrupted by this virus, or the area that they work, the field that they work in has been disrupted by the response of the world to this virus. Or maybe they're just hanging out with a lot of people that are just talking incessantly about all of the negative and just it's building up a fear and an uncertainty that they're just like, they're in panic mode themselves. If you're the, the shopper in the house, I don't know who that is, but you have come home to your family members and you have shared with them the challenge of buying certain products on the shelf these days. Amen? And, and, and just hearing that news might, might you know, uh, unsettle you a little bit. What, what do you mean they're out of water? Yeah, I know we don't have tap water use anymore or anything like that, but, you know, there's these things we just, if, if our life is disrupted or potential is there for our life to be disrupted, what do we do? What do we say? Where do we go with our mind? Turn with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at the life of Timothy and a couple of different of Paul's writings here. And um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. But 1 Timothy again, along with 2 Timothy and, and Titus. You guys, most of you know this. These are pastoral epistles. Um, these are, they're named because, you know, Paul is addressing Timothy and Titus, two sons in the faith who became pastor Timothy and pastor Titus themselves. Timothy was in charge of the church of Ephesus. Titus uh, in charge of the church and the island of Crete. 
And, and I like the, the focus here of 1 Timothy. This is where I think the Lord was taking me personally. And so I thought I would share it with you and bring application that would be fitting to all of us. But um, this first letter is written to Timothy with, you know, the church in mind, um, how to organize the church, how to manage the church. Um, if we do not allow the Word of God, if we do not allow the Spirit of God to define the church, then the pressures of our culture will absolutely define the church. So Paul would say to him in chapter 3, just to kind of give you the setting here, I'm writing to you these things, these instructions of verse 14 and 15, so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. And so this might be written specifically to a leader, but I believe that um, the focus on character in all of the pastoral epistles can be applied to every, every Christian. And so that's what I'll be doing a bit tonight as it relates to where we find ourselves as the body of Christ today. Um, living in a time, living in a season where churches are finding themselves um, with problems and issues that are connected to biblical illiteracy. Where churches and congregations are finding themselves with people attending and quite possibly filling up rooms like this, but because we've taken the Bible out of the public setting and taken prayer out of the public setting. And sad to say this, we've taken those very things out of many church settings. We are finding people that are, that are spiritually and biblically anemic. And, and they're not mature. And, and so when, when something happens in society, the circumstances begin to dictate who they are and how they respond. Paul is like, now, hold on. Young Timothy, this guy's a young guy. When he's writing this letter to him, he probably became a follower of Paul when he was in his teens. Now he's in his young 30s. Paul's been mentoring him and discipling him. And Paul's going to bring him back to some basic principles so that he can be effective as a leader in the church. And, and, and Paul has some things on his mind here, and it, and it is the example of Timothy. He would, he would say here, these things in verse 11, or excuse me, verse 12, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, Impurity. Talking with a group of leaders this week, I was being very honest and, and very forthright with my concerns regarding men in the church, regarding a man's yes being a yes, regarding faithfulness and how important it is and how there's two sides of this, how blessed we are with all of the men that God has 
captured their heart, and they're, they're all signed on to going deeper with this whole Christ-like character, becoming more like him. But as the church has, has grown and the responsibilities have grown, we, we have seen that, that we also need more of these kind of men. We need God to add to our church more faithful men that will faithfully stand up and lead. Paul would have been looking at the church in the era in which he is writing this, and he is looking at a church that is facing far worse issues than a virus. Paul is writing to a leader who he knows is young and is struggling in his faith. You go through First and Second Timothy, and you're like, huh, Timothy had some issues going on. And he's, he's the, the rally cry of Paul, I, I feel that sometimes. I feel like looking at the younger guys and going, please, we don't want to go this alone. Man, when we are going forward through the Roman Empire and advancing the kingdom of God through this real persecution from Rome, we, we don't want to go it alone. You need to be all in. We, we need Christians that will, that will be there for the body of Christ. They're not going to be ashamed. They're not going to be fearful. They're not going to be, well, yes, verbally, but no, practically. And, and this is one of those letters, and you read through it, man, it's a call to duty. It's, 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 it's focusing on character, man, and, and just this is who you need to be. So, verse 12, let, let, let no one despise your youth. Timothy, get your eyes off of, off of whatever people even think or say about you. Uh, pay attention. <laughs> That's not important. There might be things that people despise about you, don't respect about you. Get your eyes off of that. You're not doing it for them is the idea. Get your eyes on God. How does God view you? And then that's where we need to start right now. I mean, we need to, to revisit and think through our identity in Christ. Who am I right now? Who am I tonight as a child of God? Who am I? I don't care what the world says about me. I, I don't care what, what, what the naysayers say and the opponents say and those that, that, that don't respect. I, I don't care about that. What I care about is what does God say about me? And God has a lot to say about those that he purchased with the blood of his son. Because he saved us with a purpose in mind. And he has got a word on that. He, he has some say-so in that. But one of the things that, that Paul wanted young Timothy to think about is something that we need to be thinking about right now. And that is this. Get your eyes off of yourself. Get your eyes off of yourself. And, and begin to think about others. And begin to think about your example to others. Think about this right now. Think about it right now. Be an example to believers, to the church. That's what ministry is all about. <clears throat> and, and, and be this example in word. Be thinking about your speech right now, Timothy. And I just want you to think about who you are right now in Christ and the purpose of his saving you and gifting you and just who you are in the body of Christ. And I want you just to think about 
your speech right now. Words of hope, words of help, faithful words, words that are grounded in God's word. You and I right now have have a very opportune platform set in front of us to platform Jesus Christ and the hope that he brings and to show people what it's like to be unshaken because of who Jesus Christ is in our life. We have that opportunity. And and part of this is going to be what we say. Part of this is going to be how we engage in the conversations, what we do with the person that's, that's taken it down the conspiracy path. What do we say to the person that's, that's just completely freaking out? What do we say to the person that is ignorant and doesn't know what to do? Paul's like, look, your example, part of your example is what you say. Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that, that you might know how to answer one another. You know, to, to speak with grace, grace means to say what is spiritual, what is fitting, what is thoughtful, what is right, a word fitly spoken at the right time. The idea of, of, of salt here, you have our, our speech seasoned with, with salt, it, salt's a purifier, it's a flavor enhancer. It makes food come to life. Our, our speech should make people say, I like what this person's saying. I, 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 I'm okay with this. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, 29, on the other side, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it might impart grace to the hearers. So what should be coming out of our mouth in this season is what is good for necessary edification, what is helpful and constructive, what is encouraging, what is uplifting, that which will impart grace to the hearers. You know, in Luke's gospel in chapter 4, Jesus was in a synagogue and he just was, he was teaching up a storm, man, and, and, you know, and he pointed out that he was the Messiah and it says that they marveled at the gracious Words which proceeded out of his mouth. Timothy, you want to lead in troublesome times? Don't, don't worry about what people think about you. Get your eyes off of that. Get them on the Lord and, and just how he views you. Get the identity thing with him right. And understand, you, 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 you can model some things that can be very helpful. And the first thing, think about your speech. Then he goes to conduct. Speech and life go together because they're both observable conduct. Conduct means the manner of life. The day in, the day out routines of life, you know, the work, the school, the shopping, you know, be an example of Christ-like character. We not only live in a listening world, but we, we live in a watching world. They're watching us. And so be an example of love. That's what he says. <laughs> it just gets right to it. Be an example of love. And the word agape, a, a, a selfless, self-sacrificing love. The example was set by Jesus on the cross. John 15, 13, greater love. Agape has you know, no one than this and to lay down his life for his friends. What's that look like practically right now? 
This is what it looks like practically right now. You go to the store, and, and, and you're all like, I got to get four cases of water, man. I just really got to get it. And you get it, and you're all excited that you got it because you bought it for someone else. It just got quiet. <laughs> Conduct. It's, it's, it's not just a one-time thing. It's, it's conduct yourself. It's the way you're living out your life. Selfless. Thinking of others. Love. And listen, that is not easy for Christians. Let me put it this way. That's not easy for anybody, but even for Christians when our lives are being disrupted. True? I'm going to say it again. True? All right, I just want to make sure we are in agreement on this. This is important. Because it's easy for us as Christians to, to when, 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 when our life is disrupted, to, to fixate on the disruption and to go into that sympathy mode, self-sympathy. It's just easy for us. No one even has to give me a class on that. You don't even have to tell me how to do that. I just go there in my own mind. It's easy for us to go there. And we want the sympathy. We want the attention. We want to be served. We want everybody to think about us. Well, Lance, someone's got to be the one served. That's me. But these principles that, 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 that Paul is bringing young Timothy to consider, the, this, the way we talk and the way we live our life, this is what produces effective ministry. He's talking to the church. He's even talking about the church. This is who you need to be as a Christian to other Christians. What a great time to teach our children these principles, parents. What a great time. I can't wait till Ezra gets about this big. I, I mean, these are, these are great times. Now, you can model faith or you can model fear. Fear has a look to it. You can model selflessness because you're modeling love or you could model selfishness. Everyone's watching, but our kids are really watching. Out of the 14 characteristics of love that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, he does say, love, agape, does not seek its own. Interesting. Timothy was to be loving in every circumstance to every person. Fourth, Timothy was to be an example in spirit. This speaks about the attitude behind our, our conduct. It would, it would speak of a, a humble attitude, a grateful attitude, a respectful attitude, a Christ-like attitude. As we read about it, read about it in Philippians 2, 3, letting nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others even better than themselves. And I'm telling you, this is who we should be, and if we will be this, we will apply this, we are not going to be dealing with fear. We're not going to be dealing with anxiety. 
You're just not. Fifth, Timothy was to be an example of faith. Faith here does not so much refer to belief, but to faithfulness. It's, it's a reference to an unwavering commitment to what you've been called to do. It speaks of being trustworthy. It speaks of consistency. It speaks of dependability, reliability. Not, not swerving off of the track, not deviating from the course. You know, in Colossians, Paul had mentioned a couple of other co-labors who were just completely trustworthy. He, he's like, Epaphras was one of them in Colossians uh, 1. He's like, Epaphras was a, a beloved fellow bondservant, a faithful servant of Christ. And then Tychicus, this other guy in chapter 4, verse 7, a beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord. And then Paul kind of closes this off with purity. And again, speaking here to just being sexually pure as this young man. Turn with me over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. This, this second letter, it seems that that, that Timothy's fervor and his, his devotion had cooled down some degree. And so Paul is going to like get into just reminding him of who he is, what God has called him to be, and specifically talking about the gifts that God gave him with a very specific purpose in mind. This is important. In verse 6, Therefore, I remind you, you know these things, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Spiritual gifts. Get busy. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, for you guys that are like, I want to research the spiritual gifts, go there. In 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about they are divine capacities for Christian service. They're, they're given when we're, we're born again. Every one of us, if you're born again here, you have at least one spiritual gift and they are exercised through spiritual life. They're not, it's not a physical thing. And they're given to every believer. No Christian is left out. And in 1 Corinthians 12, they're given, listen, for the profit of all. Let me say it this way. There are people in the body of Christ who need you to yield to the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, allowing him to operate the gifts that God has given you for their profit. In Romans 12, 6, therefore, since we have gifts, speaking of the, the spiritual gifts, they differ according to the grace given to us, let us exercise them. Now, young Timothy, he had gifts that included that of evangelism and preaching and teaching and, 
and leadership. And, and Paul was like, all of this is confirmed through the laying on of, of my hands. Paul was part of a group of guys that actually just were like, this guy's got something going on with God, man. And they laid hands on him. It was an old-time you know, ordination service. And for, for, for Timothy to not you know, actively live this out, for him to bail out of the, of the ministry or not show up and, and just let fear begin to dictate who he is and, and back him off, man, that would fly in the face of the clear facts of what God had called him to and what God was doing in and through his life. Listen, to where other godly men had laid hands on him affirming that it was God because they saw it. But now it was time for Paul to remind Timothy of something he already knew. Stir up the gift of God which is in you. And the, the Greek means to, to, to kindle afresh, to keep that fire alive, to fan the embers into flame and not let them die out. Timothy, <laughs> kindle afresh the gifts of God. Because Timothy... Whatever it is that was happening in Timothy's life, there was fear that was beginning to settle in. Whatever was happening around the body of Christ was affecting the body of Christ. It was affecting one of their leaders. The fear was real. But so is this counsel on how to deal with fear. First of all, understand that it's not from God. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So one of the things we want to ask ourselves even now is how do we fan the gifts in our life? <laughs> by, by relying on the Holy Spirit, being renewed and, and refreshed by the Holy Spirit again and again and again. And we exercise our spiritual gifts for ministry with, with the power and the love and the self-discipline that is given to us by the Holy Spirit. And just understanding, God didn't give us any kind of spirit of fear or spirit of timidity. Another translation is, God did not give us a spirit of cowardice. He did not give us a spirit that backs off. Remember, through our first Peter studies, I kept using the phrase, we do not serve a God that retreats. Were you guys here? All right, am I just the only one fired up right now? Okay. I get excited about this stuff. I'm like, I'm not following a God that goes, yeah, no. I'm following a God that in the morning when I wake up, he grabs me by the ears. It's like, ah. I got it, and I'm listening. And, and I, I just sense the forward motion of God right now, and I sense a reluctance in the body of Christ. And I am not, in the mood to go it alone. I'm just not. And I'm not going it alone. Are you with me? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> this is for our good, man. Just stick with me here. Stick with me. The Spirit does not give fear that makes us shrink back from duty. As Timothy was tempted to do. 
Rather, the Spirit breathes supernatural power into the weak. And God provides his power to accomplish his purposes through us. I remember after 9-11, I had this overwhelming burden, this pressing of the Holy Spirit to get back to New York City. I'd never been there before. God opened some doors and we, we got in right after the commercial planes started flying again. And, and, and as we got there, I just remember I didn't, I didn't know where I was and where we were staying and just this whole this day that led us into a particular meeting. And, and, and it was a group of clergy that was meeting with three of the four police of chief over New York City. Actually, there was two of them there. And they had heard that all these clergy were gathering and they wanted the clergy to go to ground zero where all of the, the firemen and the police officers were refusing to go home until they had extracted their friends. And, and as I walked into the room, someone just happened to go, hey, Lance, as they were calling out names. And like, Lance, and they pointed me over here. And, and what it was is I was part of a selection of guys that would put on New York police officer jackets and hats and step into a New York police officer van downstairs and they would drive us right to ground zero. I had no idea what was on. Okay, let's go meet a couple other guys. And I got in this van and I'm just like, this is cool. And next thing we're past one FBI track point, another FBI checkpoint. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm right in front of the pile that I've been watching on TV for five days. And they say, we'll pick you up at the end of the day. You can't get out. Just walk around this place. And we don't know what you guys do, but do it. And I remember being completely out of my element, out of my place, tripping out, smelling jet fuel and death. And, and, and I just remember saying, Lord, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'm in a uniform that's fake. I'm not a cop. <laughs> and the Lord was just, go. And I remember just the, it's, the whole thing just gets more and more intimidating. The first cop I walked up to, he looked like he was nine foot eight. He's this big old guy talking to him. He's like, hey, who are you? And what are you doing? And I just remember being honest with him. And, and the Lord not only gave me the words, I just remember the strength. I just remember just this, this day went by so fast, and, and it was like I was put on this earth for that very day. I just, I just remember that. And I remember how it, it so took everything I felt days leading up to that, and it completely overwhelmed all of that, and I had this like crazy strong faith now. And this is what Paul's talking about. You could sit back and say, God, you know, take away the fear. You can do that. We should be doing that. In Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7, it's like, don't be anxious for nothing. Nothing. But in everything, through prayer and supplication, make your request made known to the Lord. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, is going to guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. That's a truth. That's great. You could go, man, I'm going to get past the fear thing by praying. I'm doing that too. But the thing I find out is when I pray, I start gaining the heart of God. 
And the heart of God is, is the heart of one that is concerned about others. It's, he, just, he just opens door. He wants to reach others. God wants to capitalize on the coronavirus. And, and God's just looking for the people that are in the ready. They're just, you know, and, and, and part of this is going to be us following this idea that God has chosen us to be an example, just be an example. What doors he opens up, he opens up. Tomorrow at work, at school, whatever it might be. But you step through that door and you believe that God has gifted you and is going to use you and empower you to do what he's called you to do in, in this day. With, with the uncertainty that is flooding people's hearts. God wants to capitalize on that through you. And it begins here in the church. With conversations we have with other brothers and sisters. Are you of the mindset right now that like, hey, I don't care what happens, I am going to serve this body? Or are you like, well, I wonder if I'm going to come. Is our online audience going to grow, 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 grow? I, I don't know. I don't know. Is, is, is the government going to put some certain laws on group assemblies? I don't know. But that is not going to define my calling. Do you understand that? And that should not define our calling. I'm not saying we're going to defy laws and all that and be all maverick about this. We're going to walk very wisely, very circumspectly. That's why we came out here and gave you some instruction. But we are going to be Christ-like in this season. We are not ashamed of him. And we're not going to cower. We're not going to run and hide in a corner. And we're not going to demand that everybody brings toilet paper and water to our house. <laughs> we're not going to be that. I have taught my girls since the youngest of age. You can ask any of them. If something big goes down, I could tell you, I don't know if they're all here, but they could tell you, something big goes down, don't run to our house, run to God's house. We are there to serve people. That's a mindset. It's instilled in us. We haven't been given a spirit that shrinks away from duty. We've been given a spirit of power. God's power. And the spirit gives us a sound mind. I want you to think about this. The Spirit of God gives us a sound mind. You know what that means? Self-discipline. The idea is level-headedness, if I can put all those words together. A properly prioritized mind that God has properly prioritized. The Spirit will help us keep our head in all situations. The person empowered by the Spirit, the sound mind, will have their priorities in order, God's order for their life. I remember the earthquake. I don't know how many of you were here when we had a doozy here in La Habra a few years ago. I want to wind this down because we're going to pray. But I remember we had a, a large event. It was in our mini chapel, and it was, it was full. A lot more people than are here tonight. And I was standing in the back kitchen, and I felt 
If you've, as old as I have, you felt the earth move a few times. And, and I, I just felt something. And I forget, it's Francel, you're in the kitchen, another color. And I go, did you guys feel that? One other guy did. And he and says, eh, you know. And, and immediately, I'm, I, my, my little prayer thing starts. I'm like, hmm. And, and I said, do we have a lot of leaders here tonight? Is the first thing out of my mouth. Yeah, but they're, you know, it's, it's, it's this missions fun night, and everybody's, I don't know how many guys are attentive to leading. I think we're having fun. Food's good. You know, we get a big old party. And I said, hey, we need to be in the ready. And I just told someone, I said, get all the radios and just give them to every man we know that leads. So he ran out of the office. We've got all these radios. And we're all carrying our radios from the parking lot to all the the radios. And, and, And this isn't anything more than just you leave for a while, you pick up on a few things, and the Holy Spirit starts getting your attention, and you start, hmm. And I remember there was someone that was having a hard time that night. They wanted to leave early, and Lori and I were talking to this person. And we felt that we should walk them to their car. Remember that, Lord? And we, we went through the back of the property. We walked down this hallway. We got outside, and we were walking, and I said, Lori, I, I think I need to get back. I just feel like I need to be in that room. Would you pray? And, and Lori and I joke about this. Lori, Lori prays a little longer than me. And, um, and so I'm like, and make it short. And, and so we, were, we just did this like, you know, prayer thing. And, and as I walked back in, I walked to the, the back, the rear of the Benny Chapel, and it hit. And we were under the epicenter. And I watched this room literally do this. I watched one side of the stage be two feet higher than the other side of the stage. I watched this whole thing. And, and, and I was right in the back, right in the middle, watched it, and I started running towards the mic. It was all slow motion, you know, whatever music you want to put to it. But it wasn't superhero stuff. It was anything. It was, just, it was instinctive. It was just like, get to the mic, get to the mic. And I got to the front, and I watched mass hysteria with certain people. And then I watched people focus on others. I watched it. And I, and I realized in that moment that fear is real, and so is faith. And those people that are actively living out and developing their faith, that's who they are. And those people who aren't, fear. And, and I would just encourage you, not for the sake of just man, I've been dealing with some fear. I don't want it. I guess I'll start using my gift. It's not that as much as who God wants to touch through you in the body of Christ. Think if our church, however many people our church, I don't know, but just think if our church was the church in the community that took this serious that we talked about tonight. You imagine what we would do during every disaster? You imagine what we do every Sunday? <laughs> you imagine be like, there's no one here. They're all serving. You know, it's, 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 these are principles we read and we agree with. And the smaller percentages within churches actually apply. And, and I'm not saying that in a, in a condescending way or in some sort of a belittling way. It's just the facts. And it was interesting that over the last couple of weeks, this is exactly what we've been talking about. And we've been praying for God to give us wisdom on how, how to you know, move forward with a growing church. And, and how many of you guys know 
you would agree with me that spiritual growth in your life, it, it came more out of hardship and adversity rather than times that you were being blessed. Amen. Now, I'm not some masochist saying, Lord, bring it on, man. Let's grow some, you know, no, 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 no. But, but this, is, this is an opportunity. It really is to test your faith, to try your faith. And to, to look past your own self, your own needs, your own fears. That's ministry, you guys. And, and I, I'm saying this because this is who we are. This is who we've been. This is, it's not foreign. It's something new. Hey, we've, we're going to do something new now. We're going to become servants. No, no, this is who we've been. But I also see how it ties into helping us past our anxiety, helping us past our fear, helping us past letting the circumstance Define our identity. Keep prayed up and keep active for Jesus right now. And you're going to see him open doors for you and for this church. Open doors within this church with others. We're, we're getting the questions. We're getting the calls. You, you know, we're, I've watched, you know, a couple of ladies in a store the other day. I was in there and they were just going out and this one lady had it all figured out. And I was like, thank God she's not in charge or something. <laughs> but she was just emotionally going undone. And her friend was just listening to her and everything. I felt like stepping in and, and you know, but that wasn't my calling at that moment. <laughs> this is. <laughs> but it could. The Lord could be preparing us for just who knows and who cares. I just want to be available and I want to, to assure you, I'm teaching you what the Bible says, and this is the assurance. I don't come up here and go, oh, you know, let me give you my take on all this. I don't have a take on this. I'm hearing the same thing you are. It doesn't change anything. It just means that we, we sure up, we, we get reminded again in these times and seasons who we are and the example that we can be, and we all just go, we're all in, and we go for it, and God's going to use us to make an impact for his kingdom through the coronavirus. <laughs> all right, let's all stand. I'm not going to ask you to join hands with anybody tonight. So. And uh, you know, on that note, give people their place. You're, you're not to be parenting people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. You know, there's going to be people who maybe aren't where you are in this season with this crisis or in another season and another crisis. And sometimes it's easy to kind of look down on them a little bit and give them a what for. No, no, no. If someone's having a hard time and they're coming around this church, give them some room to have a hard time. Just model what it's like to be stable in unstable times. And so, you know, I was watching people on Sunday and some people, you know, dresses, you do the fist pump thing. You know what? What do you want to do? You want to hug? Then go hug people. If you don't, don't. So, you know, we're, 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 we're following what we believe is the wisdom that God has given us. And so in that video, we prayed through that. We prayed through what we should say. We all met. We went through some bullet points, and I said, I think this is wise. I think this is wise. And if you're like, I really need a hug, Francel's giving hugs tonight. He just wants to get... Look at Sarah. Sarah's like, ah, he's mine. Leave him alone. 
But you understand? It's okay, you know, some people, I heard them say, oh, we're going to go to the fist bump thing. Yeah, why? Is it, is it wrong to be wise in, 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 in these, these uncertain times? Sure, it's wise to be, good to be wise. Not wrong. So, uh, did we go around and, and, and clean the place extra? Yeah, we did. We, we, you guys know we keep this place completely sanitized. Is it hard to find more sanitation? Yes, it is right now. Did we get a hold of all of our moms that are into herbs and oils and ask them to make some concoctions on a mass level? Yes, we did. <laughs> are we going to market it? Yes, we are. See this big old line out the door on Sunday. You know, Look at that place is packed. Now they're just buying our hand sanitizer that we made. Homeschool on steroids. But yeah, yeah, we, we talked about where, where should we put additional hand sanitizer? Is there anything wrong with that? No, that's wisdom. It's being proactive. That's, that's, you do understand there's a psychological battle as well. And there's nothing wrong with telling someone that is dealing with fear, we got your back. We're, we're ahead of it. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's not unspiritual. I think it's spiritual. I do. I think it's spiritual. I think, I think love does that. I think love thinks about that. And, and it, it brings you to a point of considering their fear and meeting them there and helping them walk through that. And so we, wanna, we want to, as a church, portray a caring environment as well. A thoughtful environment. Not just clean. Not just the maverick thing. It's all faith and, 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 and you know, it's, it's, it's faith that produces what we're doing. And it's, it's faith that makes us look at hygiene and their soul. That's okay. Or maybe I'll put that the other way around. Their soul and their hygiene. <laughs> Get those priorities straight here. The hospital up the street. They're, they're, they're more of the physical. But um, would you just join with me in prayer? Let's, it's time to wind this down. I'm just going to pray and just join with me in prayer. Lord, we uh, thank you for an opportunity to be reminded through your word about how important it is to be Man, just an example, our speech, our conduct in, in, in today, this day where we find ourselves, all of us, reading, leaning in, and talking about a virus that has taken lives, made people sick, and is affecting economies around the world affecting livelihoods around the world. And, and, and Lord, you know, we could weigh in, this, weigh in on this all day, but we ask you to weigh in on this. <laughs> we, we ask you to heal those that are sick. That's a good prayer. That's a loving thing to do with our speech right now, to ask you collectively here and even online to heal those people around the world that are sick with this virus. It's a loving thing to ask you to calm the hearts of those that are unsettled. Whatever might be feeding their fear, their panic, we, we pray, Lord, that you would, you would calm them. It's a wise thing to pray for our leaders that are navigating our country and even other countries 
and, and, and just the world really through a, a difficult season with a virus that maybe not as big as they're making it out to be, or, or maybe it is. We pray for our leaders. You'd give them wisdom, Lord. They'd make the right decisions on what's best for people. We pray for our own church here in our, our neighborhood, La Habra, Brea, Fullerton, La Mirada, Whittier, all of these, these areas that, that you reach through this church. We, we pray for them. We pray for the mayors and the city councils, and we pray for the hospitals, and we, we pray for all of those that are going to be possibly in harm's way because that's what their, their career calls them to. We pray you'd protect them, Lord, you'd bless them, and that you would give them wisdom. We pray for our own church, specifically here, uh, our leadership. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom, Lord. Give us favor as well. We, we have a heart to advance your kingdom, and we want to keep advancing your kingdom until you, as the king, come and take us home. And we don't want to back off. We don't want to shrink away. We don't want circumstances to dictate who we are or, or how we operate. We want to continue to be led by you. So Jesus, speak to us and guide us. For our congregation that is just looking to us for leadership, for guidance, we pray that, that there would be an embrace with what you have to say through your word and by your spirit. We pray that you would give us favor as we lead. You give us wisdom to know how to lead. And, and Lord, whatever the future is, may we look at it as an opportunity. Whatever, whatever the future is for this church as it relates to the coronavirus, maybe nothing will change or maybe there will be change. But we ask that you would help us to see it as an opportunity and you would give us the faith and the courage to seize that opportunity. May we be others-focused. Because that is indeed Christ-like character. Thank you for these that are here tonight, Lord. Oh, man, keep our body healthy, we pray. <laughs> Please. <laughs> keep us healthy, we pray. Keep our kids healthy. And our, our, I don't know, over 60s. Keep them healthy, Lord. Those that have some underlying health issues, Lord, keep them healthy. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.